You are listening to Accessibility Solutions. If you're a business looking to improve your bottom line, then you're in the right place. In this show, we will discuss how making the world accessible is great for business and the economy. My name is Linda Hunt, and I am an award-winning accessibility consultant, speaker, and author, and a longtime advocate for all things related to accessibility. Thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. This is a webinar series, Accessibility is Good for Business. Um, I do want to thank our partners. So David, uh, thank you from the Chamber of Commerce. We've got um, the Granierba Council on Aging. Lucy Marco um, was the first one to jump on board when I kind of floated this around. Um, and the Brantford Brant Business Resource Center. Um, so the, um, the partnership uh, really is uh, for you to um, also be able to share, first of all, the, the live webinars with your audience, but, uh, but certainly the recordings are available for you to, uh, to access as well. So a little bit about me. Um, I am the CEO of Accessibility Solutions. I'm an award-winning accessibility consultant, speaker, author. I've also been a longtime advocate for accessibility. But where I, uh, where I really bring experience to um, accessibility being good for business is the fact that my husband and I have owned and operated our own business here in Brantford for uh, just over 32 years. I also spent um, a number of years uh, working with um, some uh, business development organizations around Southern Ontario as both a business consultant and a trainer. Um, and I myself am a person with a disability. So I, I bring the lived experience part of, uh, of what I'm gonna present today to the, uh, to the conversation. So today's topic is the business case for accessibility. The agenda for today is, is really how accessibility will improve your business bottom line. We're gonna talk about the spending power of persons with disabilities and their impact on the economy. How business, uh, or how accessibility will give your business a significant competitive advantage and why all businesses need to embrace a culture of inclusion in order to thrive. How disabilities, persons with disabilities can complement your staff team. So thank you all for, uh, for joining us. So your business bottom line, 22% of the population, which is 6.2 million Canadians, which is that's the number of Canadians living with a disability that either impairs their mobility, their vision, or their hearing. That number is going to continue to rise at nearly double the pace of the population as a whole. And the reason for that is, is yeah, we're going to get to in the next slide, but really, can your business afford to ignore this market? The reason that this is going to continue to increase is baby boomers. And so everyone's heard about the market size of baby boomers, but what people don't really re 
think about when they think about baby boomers is that 40% of baby boomers, which are people over the age of 65, have a disability that impairs their mobility, their vision, or their hearing. So although spending on restaurants, retail, and entertainment currently makes up a smaller share of their monthly expenditures, they would spend more on these items if they were more accessible. The number one spending that uh, persons with disabilities make are groceries. So grocery stores for sure uh, need to be accessible, but all of these other businesses, restaurants, retail, entertainment um, are businesses that would be able to get a share of this uh, consumer market if they were accessible. So there is a strong demand for entertainment, recreation, and participa participation in sport and other physical activities, but it's currently going, going unmet because of accessibility barriers. So real spending by this group will rise to 25% of the total consumer market. So a competitive advantage, there is a desire and an unmet need for more businesses to be accessible. So why not yours? It gives you a significant competitive advantage. Businesses that are accessible have very loyal customers. Um, as a person with a disability, I know that if I find a business, whether it be a store, a restaurant, an, an event venue, um, a service that I that I um, am seeking out, accessibility usually is one of, is, well, for me, it has to be the number one thing that I look at. But when I am going um, out to a restaurant or one of these other stores to do some shopping, I'm very loyal to businesses that are accessible. So what, uh, what also you want to consider when you're looking at the, um, investment in making your business accessible is the lifetime customer value in terms of the dollars they will spend there. So if you are an accessible restaurant, for example, I'm going to come and while well, providing your food and, and service is good, which you've probably done a good job at, your accessibility is going to be the number one reason that I'm going to come back. So it gives you a huge uh, return on investment um, in making your business accessible because of that competitive advantage that, uh, that it's going to give you. The other thing that I like to talk about in terms of the size of this market is what I call the sphere of influence. So for every one person with a disability, their family, friends, and colleagues are also influenced by the accessibility of a business. So if I'm going out shopping with my husband, for example, then as a person with a disability, and now my husband who's accompanying me or my friends that are joining me, um, shopping uh, businesses that are accessible are certainly getting not just my business, but anyone that's with me, um, their business as well. The same with restaurants, event venues, recreation, and travel. Um, these are all businesses that are impacted by the sphere of influence that that person with a disability has, because anyone accompanying them um, is going to be influenced by the accessibility of that business. 
there are also more women than men with a disability, and that, that impairs their mobility, vision, or hearing. And this gap will continue to grow through the forecast because the population is aging. Statistically, women outlive men, but from a uh, spending decision perspective, women usually make the spending decision. And I see a few men that are smirking there that are well aware that, uh, that your wife or significant other is the one that's maybe making the decision. I certainly know in our household that's, uh, it's not just me as the person with the disability, but it's also me as the, as the wife that's deciding where we're going to eat, where we're going to uh, shop, uh, where we're going on vacation, what kind of events we're going to. So um, that's something to give some thought to as well. So the spending patterns of persons with disabilities, so given the spending power of them and the fact that their share of the consumer market will continue to grow, businesses must be aware that the current limitations that exist in serving that market and how they can tap into the market in the future is by making accessibility improvements to their business. Conference Board of Canada conducted a survey back in 2017, and at that point, 43% of respondents with moderate to severe disabilities indicated that their current condition limited their ability to purchase goods and services outside their home. Many of these individuals believe that improvements in accessibility would make a difference in their ability to interact and engage in their community, but also spend their money as desired. So persons with disabilities, I think the takeaway here is that they have money to spend um, and the accessibility of your business is going to be um, a direct impact on whether they choose to spend the money at your business or a business that is more accessible. So the economic impact of improved accessibility, making facilities and workplaces more accessible allows more people with disabilities to work and many who are already employed will be able to work more. By 2030, the lift to the economy's productive capacity due to improved workplace accessibility would result in a permanent increase in the GDP of over $16.8 billion. So not only is accessibility good for your business, it really is good for the economy. Boost to labor income would lift real personal disposable income by $10.6 billion, facilitating a $10 billion increase in consumer spending. So this is persons with disabilities um, are now working so they have more money to spend and they're going to be spending it in accessible business. So these real GDP and income gains, gains would, also revenate, would also generate real revenue for both the federal and provincial governments. So this is like a win-win-win. So embracing a culture of inclusion, accessibility inclusion should be part of your overall organizational strategy. When inclusive values are incorporated into strategy, policy and accessibility becomes more intentional and carries through to plans and action. This is more than just a legal standard or a specification or a box to check that you've 
um, filled out your accessibility compliance report. It really involves fostering a sense of inclusion so people with disabilities can flourish. So I think everybody uh, that's in business is well aware that there is a labor shortage and that labor shortage um, is only going to increase as the population ages because there are more people leaving the workforce um, as, uh, as the population ages because they're retiring. But there are fewer people entering the workforce than are leaving it. So opening up your business to employing persons with disabilities would uh, is really going to significantly add to the future pool of workers and also the quality of life for individuals with disabilities. So accessible and inclusive hiring practices give your business a, another significant competitive advantage. Persons with disabilities are the most overlooked and underutilized workforce in Canada. Improvements to workplace accessibility would allow 550,000 Canadians with disabilities to work more, increasing the GDP by $16.8 billion by 2030. So these are, these are real numbers. These are persons with disabilities that are gonna come and work in your business. They're going to earn a living wage, they're going to then be able to spend that money that they earn on businesses that are accessible. So I really, you know, in summary, there is a powerful economic incentive for making businesses and institutions accessible to people with disabilities. But it's, it's really a win-win-win cycle. So greater, greater access to employment deepens the labor pool and increases incomes, that combined with faster growth in the population of persons with disabilities gives this group substantial um, consumer clout. So these people have, we're, we're gonna have people with disabilities that are earning money. We're going to have people that have retired baby boomers that have money to spend. And all of that, whether your business gets a share of that is going to depend on the accessibility of your business. So people with disabilities clearly want to spend those dollars in their communities, working, shopping, and enjoying leisure activities, just like everyone else. Do you want to unmute yourself? And um, we'll just, we'll take any questions around the presentation. Hi, this is Thea Curdy from Designable Environments. Um, Hi, Thea. I don't know if you're familiar with our work. I am. Oh, okay, great. Um, so we're a built environment accessibility specialists um, who are working with um, businesses of all kinds and government to help create the physical built environments for accessibility. So there's lots of really good resources. So I know when people are starting to think about this, and trying to think about how do I do this? How do I transform my business? What do I need? What's that look like? How would I plan for it? Um, there's a ton of great detailed free resources available uh, that people can access. Um, many of our municipalities, particularly in Ontario, have free municipal standards, uh, typically called accessibility design guidelines. Uh, or something similar to that. So you can look up your local uh, set of requirements. 
And um, uh, Linda mentioned that there's a legal you know, uh, aspect to this in addition to the benefits to business. Um, and uh, that's usually what we're talking about with clients is that the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal has pointed out, unfortunately, that um, our legislation in the form of the Ontario Building Code and the Accessible or the uh, Accessibility for Ontarians and Disabilities Act, um, unfortunately, do not meet the requirements of the Human Rights Code. So most of our clients are coming to us and saying, how do we fill this liability gap? So we're capitalizing on the business opportunity, but how do we fill the liability gap? So you really are looking for more than code minimum as opportunities um, for these kinds of improvements. Um, there's also a CSA document or a Canadian Standards Association document called B651. There's a 2018 version out. It's uh, available for purchase. There are some free copies on the internet that you can find. Um, there's also additional free resources from the Canadian National Institute for the Blind in the form of the CNIB's Clearing Our Path. And if you do a Google search for that, uh, that'll take you directly to their website as well, full of details about specifically how to make sure built environments are uh, accessible to people with vision loss or who are blind. So anyway, I just wanted to sort of interject that if you're interested in pursuing this, I also spoke at the Ontario BIA Association this past fall and um, that there's a recording of as well uh, to talk a little bit about some of the benefits and some of the resources and some of the legalities as well. So if people are interested, um, there's a lot of really good information already in the marketplace to help you. Thanks, Linda. This was great. Oh, no, and thank you, Thea. I... Uh... Uh, I, I've been on several conferences kind of with Thea. Uh, she really is um, an expert when it comes to kind of the built environment. Um, what, I, what I do when we work with businesses, we, you know, we talk about everything from um, the built environment. But, you know, in, uh, in my case, as a person with a disability that uses a power wheelchair, um, accessibility to your business literally starts in the parking lot. So can I get parked? Um, how, close, um, how close is the, is the nearest curb cut? Um, and, that, and, and this is accessibility that's starting from the point that I've left my wheelchair accessible van. So first of all, can I get parked and deploy my ramp? That's usually challenge number one. And then, uh, and then it's, you know, can I get in your door? Um, and this is where Thea's expertise comes in. You know, can I get in your door? You know, once I get in your door, can I navigate through your store? Can I get seated at a table um, that is uh, that's wheelchair accessible? And I, I mean, I just made a reservation for my daughter's 25th birthday, the uh, which is happening this weekend. But I mean, a reservation at a restaurant for me. Um, first of all, in, includes me doing the, the research that that restaurant is accessible. But then when I call for the reservation, I'm also making sure that the business under the restaurant understands that, you know, I'm making a reservation for five. One of us is in a wheelchair, so has to be a table, can't be a booth, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, um, and then we get into the whole is, you know, the washrooms, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, so we are, um, we meaning persons with disabilities are really um, 
a market that, like I said, no business can afford to ignore, but there's just so many um, considerations when you're talking about business accessibility. So as I said, it starts in the parking lot, you know, right through to, you know, if I'm shopping, how can I get my purchases back out to my van so that, you know, what we're really hoping with this webinar series is that we're going to go through a lot of these um, steps one by one where, you know, we're addressing individual business uh, concerns and questions. So today was really an overview on the business case for accessibility. So why, you know, we're talking about the size of the market um, and the fact that that market is growing. So every business needs to start, if they're not already considering accessibility, they really need to start because if they don't, they are going to be left behind as, uh, as we call it, well, baby boomers, we call it the silver tsunami. But keeping in mind that figure that 40% of baby boomers, people over the age of 65, have a disability of some sort. And, you know, now we're, now we're talking about huge, huge numbers, a huge consumer market that if your business is not accessible, is not going to thrive. Now, Thea has also said the AODA deadline for making Ontario accessible is 2025, which is less than three years. And I will tell you, yeah, I was around in 2005 when this legislation was passed, which gave us 20 years for this to happen. So here we are with three years to go, and we've got a long, long way to go. But that's a that's a whole other uh, whole other webinar or series of webinars. And as I said, next month's webinar will be on the AODA and why your business must comply. Uh, Thea's given us a couple of uh, resources. Um, so I've got a couple of questions in the chat. Um, so Donna has said, can you address available programs for accessibility training? Um, so, uh, and I'm assuming Donna, just you're, uh, you're talking about staff training um, which next month's session, which is all about the AODA and your requirements to comply, um, will certainly address that. But available programs, I'm not sure if you're meaning programs that have staff training or programs for funding staff training. Uh, Donna says, yes, staff training. So programs... Uh, so accessibility solutions, we do staff training. Staff training, um, first of all, are, is a requirement under the AODA. Um, but in terms of uh, business accessibility, the, the reason that staff training is required under the AODA is because there is an accessible customer service standard, which has a mandated staff training uh, component. Programs to to train your staff. I mean, yeah, you can Google um, staff training programs. My concern with a lot of the online modules that are there is that there is a requirement for businesses to make sure that they train their staff on their individual um, policies and procedures. That doesn't happen if you do the um, if you do the the kind of 
boilerplate staff training. Um, the other uh, the other requirement is that you are required to train your staff on devices that you've got in your particular workplace. So, for example, um, I went to an event venue. This was a couple of years ago now, but there was actually no staff there that knew how to use the stair lift. So when I went in, the actual um, event venue that I was attending, you went in the door and then it was like a, a lowered area for gathering before the event started. So you could just well imagine, here I am, I get in the door and there was a stair lift, but there was no actual staff there that knew how to work it, um, which kind of meant that, you know, now, I, now I've paid for a ticket um, and I can get in the door um, and I can stand at the top of the, I can, in my case, sit at the top of the stairs. Um, and it took probably a good 30 minutes for them to find a manager that, and all it required was a key. But again, nobody, nobody, the, the event staff that were there working the floor didn't, didn't know how to use it. Nobody knew that there was a, a key that needed to be found and who had the key. Um, and so you can, you know, you can well imagine that that made the um, experience for me attending, uh, in, in my case, with my family, this event venue. Um, I mean, I get in the door, but then I can't get down the stair lift to, uh, to the uh, sunken area that was the... Uh, uh, where everyone was gathering before they went into uh, into the actual event. I've got yeah, great stories. Yeah, I've got some real horror stories. You can I can tell you the story about last weekend. My husband and I went to Toronto for our anniversary, and I thought we would use the path to go from Union Station to our hotel. Um, and so the the path for anybody that's been to Toronto is kind of like the underground. Um, way to get there and it was raining when we when we arrived on the Friday anyway for what above ground was a 12-minute walk my husband pushing my lift took us an hour and 20 minutes uh, through the path because it seemed like we would go so far and then we had to buzz for somebody to either use a lift use uh, um, one of the little stair things stair glide things or um we would get to somewhere that uh that needed us to basically take a we'll call it the back door route out into a parking garage and then enter through another elevator so you know that that kind of thing just you know i could do a whole session on um you know proper signage for just trying um, so Donna says she was referring to in-house training. So yes, um, as I said, we we do uh, we do training for uh, for staff. And does it need to be annually? It's not that it expires, uh, but it certainly has to be um, new. Uh, any new staff have to be trained within a reasonable amount of time. Um, and again, this will cover under the. Uh, under the AODA. Any other questions that people have got in there? Thank you to Thea and, and Trish for your comments that are 
resources. Zach says, great point about the opportunity to engage those with disabilities in the, in the workforce. Any tips for prospective employers? Yeah, the biggest, the biggest uh, challenge that, I, that we find when we're working with employers is that there's an attitudinal barrier that somehow um, employers feel that if they hire a person with a disability, they're going to be um, absent more or that the accommodations required for that person are going to be um, something that they um, cannot um, absorb. The real thing to consider when you're looking at, um, I think there's a study out there and, I, and someone may have the study, but the um, study says that uh, it's something like 80% of accommodations for employees with a disability is under $500. So I can tell you as a person with a disability that has worked um, in businesses and, and, and that have hired employees that the benefits far, out, far outweigh the, um, yes, Trish has got a comment in there, but anyway, the benefits far outweigh the cost of any accommodations. And really what people have to do is get their, um, you know, get their minds around that attitude, that attitudinal barrier that persons with disabilities are going, you know, they're going to be absent more or sick or, you know, whatever. They really have to look at the potential for that individual over and above the fact that they have a disability. So I always like to say my ability is much stronger than my, than my disability, um, um, and Trisha's just shared a yeah, four-year study by Accenture that proves that employing people with disabilities increased their profit margin by 30%. Um, so I will tell you at, at uh, my husband's business, Girl in Apparel Graphics, um, we have hired people with disabilities. And um, I basically am the COO and I'm a person with a disability you've really got to consider the fact that, you know, the, the person with a disability is, is not, is not going to cost you more than you're, more than you're, you're going to realize in, in benefits from hiring that person. So, I mean, Accenture, this is a large company, but their, you know, their study proves that employing with disabilities increased their profit margin by 30%. You know, that's those are real numbers. This is this is again where um, we talk about accessibility, um, really improving your uh, improving your bottom line. Um, so, Zach, I hope that answered your question. So, any tips for prospective employers? The other um, thing that we really should point out here is under the AODA, there is an entire employment standard. Um, so that's. Uh, you know, that's something that businesses need to understand as well when they're looking at their, um, certainly the recruitment um, and hiring processes that they need to build accessibility into that um, as well. So that's something that uh, um, is up uh, for consideration. Our next webinar, as I said, May 24th at one o'clock, 
um, that topic is going to be what is the AODA? Why does my business need to comply? So in that webinar, we're really going to be talking about um, the, the standards under the AODA and why uh, businesses need to comply. Um, so certainly hope that you'll join us for that. If you um, got something out of today, which I certainly hope that you did, then I, uh, then I would encourage you to, uh, to follow us on social media, to, um, to engage with um, the webinars. As I said, we're doing six of them in 2022. With a, um, with a number of topics that are all um, about why accessibility is good for business. Um, also engage with our partner organizations, which really are experts in the, uh, in the business community. So certainly the Chamber of Commerce um, and the fact that uh, David and the Chamber has, uh, has come on as a partner for this series. Uh, to me, really shows that uh, that they, as a as a business organization, understand the uh, the importance um, of accessibility um, in in the business community. Uh, the Brantford Brant Resource Center, um, a great resource for uh, for businesses as well, um, and also for businesses considering accessibility, I would, uh, you know, like I said, please book your free 15 minute consultation. Um, we will uh, uh, go ahead and, and cover, you know, anything you want to in relation to, uh, to business. This is our contact information. So we do AODA compliance, staff training, assessments and audits. And we also do modifications, residential and commercial. Um, and I will tell you that that baby boomer um, population, uh, we are really seeing a real uptick in uh, residential modifications that, uh, that baby boomers, um, you know, require um, all of a sudden things like a grab bar in the shower um, is no longer something that they thought, um, you know, was only for uh, you know, persons with disabilities, it's, it's now a safety issue just for, for someone that's maybe had a hip replacement or uh, something like that. So, so we're really seeing an uptick on, uh, on that. And if you've got any questions, concerns, uh, comments, or otherwise, please feel free to reach out to me um, or any one of our partners. And, uh, and uh, we are uh, glad to have you with us um, as we cover the business case for accessibility today. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Accessibility Solutions. For a free 15-minute consultation to discuss how accessibility can improve your business bottom line, please visit solutions4accessibility.com. I love hearing from my listeners, so please feel free to email me at linda at solutionsforaccessibility.com or connect with Accessibility Solutions on LinkedIn, Facebook, or subscribe to the Accessibility Solutions YouTube channel.